Thank you for joining our podcast. We hope that this message will both teach and encourage you. Here's today's message. Well, how, do, how many of you know that God uses broken vessels? Amen. Yes, aren't we glad? Amen. Or we'd be in trouble, huh? There is a story of a man in India. You've probably heard this. I've heard it before, too. You know, they have those water pails that they carry, and they have the, the like the stick behind their neck, goes behind their neck, and they have the two buckets on each side. And um, the story is told of one bucket was really good and held all the water, and the other bucket had a crack, and it would just, you know, leak out halfway. By the time he got home, it was like half empty. And after years of being used like this, the bucket says to the man, pretend like buckets can talk. But the bucket says to the man, I'm so sorry. I'm such a cruddy bucket. I mean, I can't even hold the water, and you, you know, you have to do double the work for me. You have to keep going back, and this is just, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm not any good. And the man said, look at the the trail where you come. He said, I knew you had a crack, and I put flower seeds all along the path. So when I walk with you up the path, you water the flowers, and I have beautiful flowers that now I can enjoy, and I pick, and I put them on my table, and I get to remember how beautiful it is, all because you're a broken vessel. So broken vessels can be used. God can use us. All the time. So we're going to look at, uh, you know, Gideon was a broken vessel. So we're going to look at a little bit about Gideon, and we're going to start in Judges 6, 1 through 2. It says, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. I'm wondering how many times that's in the Bible. I need to check that out because it's over and over and over <laughs> that the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. That's pretty bad. If you're having to hide, it's pretty bad. Going on, it says, Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. So the first thing I want you to know is that cry out to God for help. That should be our first thing that we do is cry out to God for help. So this is a question for audience participation. Why is it that crying out to God is not our first response? Okay, that's right. Western mindset. Okay. Anybody else? Rugged individualism. Okay. We think we're capable. Okay. That's true. Sometimes it's pride. You know, sometimes we just don't want to, uh, you know, ask for help. We've talked about this winter storm a million times and I've said it so many times y'all know it traumatized me because I talk about it all the time (laughs) but you know my first thought was to pray of course but what did I pray Lord let the electricity come back on let let the electricity come back on that's just what I kept praying over and over and over and then it was Lord let me find a hotel room (laughs) let me find a hotel room then I couldn't find a hotel room So then I'm just praying, Lord, you know, help me. I don't know how. And my son calls and says, Mom, you need help. Mom, do you want to come over here? I never thought to call my son. 
he's my son. He's a kid in my head, you know. But he's not. He's a grown man. So, you know, the Lord, I didn't ask, Lord, what do you want me to do? I was just telling him what to do. (laughs) Sometimes we need to say, Lord, how direct me. Direct me how I should go, and then we need to listen and, and let him direct us. So cry out to God for help. Moving on, Judges 6.12, it says, When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord turned to him and said, down in verse 14, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Know that God is with you. God is with us all the time, wherever we are, whatever our circumstance, God is with us. See yourself the way God sees you. Too many times we view ourselves through our own eyes. And we don't see ourselves the way God sees you. You know, we see our kids, and we we know our kids have faults, but we probably see them maybe a little bit kinder than other people might because they're our kids and we love them. You know, if you ask my parents, they may tell you I've never done anything wrong in my life, which is not true. <laughs> but they see me through that lens of love, you know, and the Lord loves us, and we're his children. We are his kids. He loves us. And we need to be spirit-focused. We need to focus on the spirit first and foremost instead of just the natural world around us. Um, I don't know if some of you may remember Danny Copeland. He was our youth pastor years ago here at the church when my kids were teenagers. He was their youth pastor. Well, he has a little girl now named Addison Lindley, I believe is, is her name. I've not met her, but just I've met her through Facebook, you know, where we meet a lot of kids. So her mom put on Facebook that the other night um, she was wanting to play, and her mom said, Addison, you need to go to bed. And she said, four more seconds, Mama, just four more seconds. So she said, okay, one, two, three, four. And Addison said, no, no, I want Jesus to count. <laughs> and she said, why do you want Jesus to count? She said, because I can't hear him. <laughs> so this little girl was focused not really a spirit focus. She was focused because she couldn't hear Jesus. She was physical focused, but I thought that was cute. Not kind of an example we need, though, to really be zeroed in on the Lord. So Judges 6.15 says, uh, Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Do you ever feel like you're the least in just about everything? Sometimes we just have days when we just feel like we're the least. But, um, you know, Gideon knew his weaknesses. What he said was true. He was the least in his clan, the least in his family. He wasn't lying. He knew that he was the least in that. But, you know, know your weakness because the enemy knows your weakness. And the enemy can trip you up in your weaknesses. If you have an issue with alcohol and you go around people with alcohol, that's dumb. (laughs) And that is your weakness. So you shouldn't be putting yourself in that kind of situation because the enemy will use it. So you've got to know your own weaknesses, not to tear yourself down, but to help yourself, really, and to have a realistic view of what you can do. And then don't use your weaknesses as an excuse to disobey God. 
Wouldn't that be easy? Well, I can't do that, so I'm not going to. The first time I ever stood up in front of a group of people, I was shaking. My knees were literally shaking. My, you know, back in those days, we didn't have iPads. We had paper, so you would switch the paper, and the paper was just like this as I moved it over, and it was just a mess, you know? And then when I felt like the Lord was calling me into ministry, I was thinking, I can barely teach Sunday school, you know? And you're wanting me to get up in front of people? But we know, you know, the Lord helps us, and the Lord's with us. There was a a lady named Amy Carmichael, and she lived from 1867 to 1951, and she was a missionary. And uh, I don't know if, uh, if you've ever heard of her. I know Loretta's shaking her head, yes. Um, Amy Carmichael was suffering from neuralgia. She was in a lot of pain, and there were times when she'd have to be bedridden for days. But she felt called to go to the mission field. Now, wouldn't it be easy for Amy to say, I can't go to the mission field, Lord. I'm bedridden for days. I, there's no way I could go to a foreign country and not have the medical care like we have here. And, you know, all of a million excuses, plus just not physically able to get up and get around and help people and do the things that she felt like she needed to do. But Amy knew that God had called her, and so she went. She was in India for 55 years. Her life was dedicated to ending child prostitution and giving a home to orphans in India. 55 years. She was a successful missionary because she didn't say, I can't do that. I have this weakness and I can't do what God's calling me to do. Because if you do what God's calling you to do, he'll give you the strength and everything you need to do it. So you've got to be obedient there. And, and Paul says this about the thorn in his flesh. In 2 Corinthians twelve nine. he said, My grace is sufficient to you, for my power is made perfect in you. This is God speaking to him. He said, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. This is where we see the power of God at work. When we know that we cannot physically do it ourselves, or we don't have the talent, or whatever it may be, if God still asks us to do it, He's going to give us what we need to do it. He's not going to let you fall. I know Brian at work sometimes, um, he's a lieutenant on the fire truck, but he'll ride backwards. He'll just ride in the spot of the firefighter so that the other people can step up and get some experience for when they move farther in their career. And um, one of the other lieutenants said, you shouldn't do that because what if something goes wrong? And he said, I'm not going to let them fail. I mean, I'm here so that if something happens, I can take over. It's fine. I'm not going to let them fail. God's not going to let us fail if we're walking in obedience to what he has us to do. Uh, Now, Gideon, at the very beginning of his encounter with God, was instructed to destroy the altar of Baal. Now, these Baal worshippers were bad folks. They were mean. They were cruel. They didn't mind killing somebody. So he was told to, to do this. So in Judges 6.27 it said, So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family, his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather in the daytime. The people of the town demanded of Joash, Bring out your son. He must die because he has broken down Bel's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. My next point is obey God fearlessly. There, he could have been afraid and said, I'm not going to do it. But we need to be bold in what God tells us to do. Don't chicken out. 
It's what our, the kids used to say. You know, you're just a chicken. You know, don't chicken out. So obey God fearlessly. God, Gideon knew that he could have died by doing that. He did it at night, but he was still obedient. <laughs> he didn't do it during the daytime when everybody could see him, but he was still obedient. And it's okay to ask for, for confirmation. We see in Gideon's story, everybody knows the story of the fleece, where he put the fleece out and asked God for confirmation. There's no harm, there's nothing wrong with asking God for confirmation because there are times when we do hear God wrong. Have you ever thought you heard God tell you to do something and then you just kind of ran off and did it without really praying th- praying it through and it wasn't what God told you to do? <laughs> it turns out. So, you know, we need to uh, pray for confirmation. There's nothing wrong with that. And then from Judges 6.34, it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abyssalites to follow him. 32,000 32, men came at this call. He knew he had to go fight Midian. He blows the horn to get people to come and help him. I would think he'd be feeling pretty good for 32,000 is a lot of people. All these people came to help him. He had to be feeling good about that. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel could boast against me. My own strength saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. Well, if I were Gideon, that would start me shaking in my boots right there. Because... The majority of my army just left, <laughs> and I'm still here. It says, but the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. If I say, this one shall go with you, you shall go. But if I say, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept 300 men who took over the provisions and trumpets of the other. Point five is believe God. Not just believe in God. A lot of times we think, well, I believe in God. No. Believe God. Believe God is who he says he is. He can do what he says he can do. We did, as a ladies group, we did a Beth Moore study on believing God. And that's probably one of the best Bible studies I've ever done. Because it really brought home that God can do whatever he says and we've got to believe it. If he says it, we've got to believe it. If the Bible says it, we believe it. And none of this thinking that just believing in God is good enough. Because you've got to believe he can do everything he says he can. We hear a lot about uh, self-confidence, but we need God-confidence. We need confidence in the Lord. And sometimes it's not that we don't think God can do it. Sometimes we wonder if he'll do it for us. We always know, oh, God can do that. I believe God can do that. He can heal people. He can everything. But then when it comes to praying about it for us, we have doubts because we wonder, when God, would God really do that for me? We feel like we're not important enough or whatever it may be. But God will do it for you, too. You're his child. He will do it for you. King of kings. That's right. He's the king of kings. So... In conclusion, I know y'all like me being short. (laughs) So, uh, cry out to God. There is no shame in that. Don't let your pride stand in your way. That should be the first thing we do is cry out to God. Know that God is with you. 
He's with you no matter where you are. There's no place you can go where he, he is not there to. Know your weaknesses, because the devil sure does. So it would be smart if we knew what our weaknesses were as well. Obey God fearlessly, and then believe God. Believe him and what he can do and what he says he can do. So, Father, I just thank you for this time together. Lord, I thank you for this word that I know you gave me. I thank you, Lord, that we are your children. I thank you that you love us, that you are always with us. Lord, I thank you that you give us the strength we need for whatever situation you ask us to to take on. And, Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, I ask that you help us to always believe that you are God, that you can do what you say you can do, that you love us, that you never leave us, you never forsake us. I thank you for that, Father. And, Lord, I just ask that you would help us to to remember that always and never forget and never think that we are less than, but always to know that we are a child of the King. And, Lord, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.